This is the Agenda Podcast on the Blood Red Channel, taking a bite-sized look at some of the big Liverpool FC talking points. Hello and welcome to the latest Agenda Podcast from the Blood Red Channel with myself, Matt Addison, alongside my Liverpool.com colleague, James Martin. Liverpool, of course, made it through to the Champions League final by beating Villarreal on Tuesday night, but then it was over to Manchester City and Real Madrid in the second semi-final, with the Spanish side coming out on top after a simply remarkable game at the Bernabeu. That means that Liverpool now know who they'll face in Paris on May the 28th, just three and a half weeks away, James. It's very, very close. Plenty more important matches to come before then, but... I suppose this was just about the result that Liverpool wanted in the Real Madrid-Manchester City game, even though, of course, Real Madrid, it's not going to be easy. Yeah, I think so. I think we were all sort of rooting for a Man City defeat right up until the point when it was full-time and you're thinking, OK, now we've willed a, Manche- uh, a Real Madrid game upon ourselves. Um, yeah, it's. I think it's probably the lesser of two evils and it's certainly the slightly less stressful of two evils in the sense that of course, we've had City in the FA Cup with chasing against them in the Premier League. Um, so, yeah, having to face them on, on yet another front would have been mentally exhausting, if nothing else. Um, I think, yeah, I, I, I'm more confident against Real Madrid. We saw it in the first leg. I mean, of course, Real Madrid pulled it back to just one goal, but for a time there, they were getting pulled apart by Manchester City. We, again, we saw it in the second leg against Chelsea. That There were large periods where they were outplayed. I think man for man and tactically the English sides are probably stronger than Real Madrid at this moment in time it's just their sort of weird affinity with the Champions League means that you'd never rule them out but but yeah on the whole please to avoid City. I think that is the the overriding kind of reminder isn't it from that other Champions League semi-final tie Real Madrid looked out of it for for long periods they looked out of it on 90 minutes obviously then the the goal comes from Rodrigo to, to kind of save them I mean that's the kind of thing, isn't it, that you'd probably look at as, as not so good for Liverpool. I suppose there is a kind of argument that it kind of feels like after what Real Madrid have just done there, maybe the name is just sort of on the, the trophy already. But I suppose, you know, either way, it was it was never going to be easy for Liverpool. Of course, it's a Champions League final. Yeah, of course. Um, and I think you could have viewed it in a similar light, whichever way it went. If, if City had sort of weathered the late storm and, and come through it, You'd have said, oh, well, they've reached the final last year. They've been getting a step closer every time. Maybe their name's on it. So either way, I think Liverpool will have something to say about it. And um, in many ways, Liverpool can argue the narrative in their favour. It's like Mo Salah was saying, wasn't it, about how he fancied Real Madrid after after losing last time. He kind of wants to level those scores up. Um, so, yeah, maybe, maybe it'll work in Liverpool's favour. But, um, yeah, like you say, incredible. 90 minutes, not a shot on target. And then two of them come in stoppage time and that's it and like you say that will scare Liverpool because they, you know we have seen this season they can be spotless for sort of 88 minutes maybe and then there'll be a slight lapse in concentration Klopp said it himself about people like Canate that's that's one area of the game where it's something to work on and Real Madrid won't let us have those kind of lapses it will have to be a near perfect game but that would have been the case against Man City too like you say it's the Champions League final most of the time you will have to be right at your best, near enough perfect if you want to win the Champions League, that goes to that saying. 
Yeah, absolutely. Let's have a, a talk about that sort of narrative around it. That obviously everyone knows, everyone listening to this podcast knows, everyone in the world knows who knows football, what happened in the, the last game between them in the, the final, of course, Liverpool Real Madrid played last season, didn't they? But this is the, the real opportunity for Mohamed Salah to, to get his own back. Sergio Ramos not there, of course. Loris Carrier certainly won't be playing for Liverpool in the final, but even so, it's uh, it's an opportunity, I suppose, to, to put right the wrongs of, of what happened in the last final. Yeah, and I, th- I think that's good news for the players um, in terms of the motivation. It, it's it's odd to talk about because obviously it's a Champions League final, and you know they're they are all going to be desperate to win it. But it's even the the slightest extra edge will help, and this is certainly a tie that will well a one-off match, I should say, that will come with plenty of that kind of edge. You know, like you say, Ramos is gone, but Salah. I don't think Salah would have ever viewed it as a as a personal rivalry. He will he will see that as the final that he was robbed of. You know, having whoever forced him off. The fact was he had to go off early and didn't get to influence that final. Um, of course, he had the Spurs game to to somewhat make amends, but against the same opponent, it really will be that that sort of chance that that he's been waiting for. The fact that he was so open about it in the interview was was interesting, um, and so for it to have panned out that way. It's yeah, it's got to got to go down as a boost. Um, like you say, it's 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 an irresistible narrative. It's it's hard to know whether it favours anyone or not, but certainly certainly it favours um, BT that they'll enjoy the broadcast. I'm sure, although they probably would have enjoyed the uh, the, the the you know another clash with Manchester City to feed into that that rivalry as well. But yeah, a replay of a, of a recent final with lots of the same personnel is always going to be. A tasty affair and I, I think Liverpool have matured so much since then that they will fancy their chances of really laying down a marker and saying to Real Madrid look we've we've grown as a team we're the better side now. Yeah it's a completely completely different Liverpool team isn't it in terms of the, the mentality the the strength of character you think of kind of what happened that season we were kind of talking about well what if they'd have kept Coutinho for an extra few months obviously he could have been a, an extra option to replace Mohamed Salah in the final I think it's safe to say if Salah was to get injured and obviously we hope that that's not the case but Liverpool certainly have one or two more options now in that forward line than what they did then but I suppose for, for Real Madrid that there are sort of one or two constants obviously Karim Benzema is still there Luka Modric but I suppose Benzema in particularly kind of the, the one that you'd look at in terms of, of what they've done this season you think of his penalty in the first leg of the semi-final was remarkable another penalty for him tonight. Benzema against Virgil van Dijk, I suppose, is, is probably one of the other strands to this as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's particularly with uh, the, the Ballon d'Or conversation probably not too far away. Um, you could easily see those two being right up in the conversation. And yeah, when, when they come up against each other in the showpiece final, that's that's bound to have a bearing on those kind of discussions. Um, he's definitely... a a player who Liverpool will be extremely wary of. There's no point trying to talk him down, but I suppose there'll be maybe a shred of encouragement from the fact that he was he was very quiet on the night against Manchester City in the in the second leg. It was until that crazy stoppage time quite a mature Manchester City performance, the kind of showing you'd probably expect Liverpool to try and emulate against Real Madrid to sort of, you know, exert that maybe slightly extra touch of class on the game and not get dragged into the sort of end-to-end craziness that Real Madrid managed to produce in the first leg and then right at the end of the second leg. Um, 
but yeah, so it, it, it was in that chaos where Benzema's individual quality kind of shone. When when the game was controlled, it was it was possible to keep him out of it, and and that's what Liverpool will be hoping to do as a team rather than purely relying on Virgil Van Dijk. But then the flip side of that is, yeah, you wouldn't expect a moment of madness from Van Dijk like we saw from Diaz, and that that's ultimately why we're playing Real Madrid rather than Manchester City. So, yeah, I mean, there's no doubting that the the individual quality of Van Dijk and, of course, whoever plays alongside him, Matip or Canate, is, is a big boost compared to potentially that what is still a problem area for Man City. I mean, you know, Laporte's very good. Diaz, he had that amazing season, didn't he? I think he was voted player of the season or something like that, but um, he was certainly in the conversation for it. But even then you, you felt as though he was the kind of centre-back who had that that rashness in him, that error in him. And yeah, it, it's come back to bite them at the worst possible time. Yeah, Karen Benzema, not the only obvious issue for, for Liverpool to have to deal with from a Real Madrid perspective. I think the midfield will be really interesting as well. Obviously, we've seen the, the passes from Luka Modric. One pass in particular during this Champions League campaign from him has been absolutely brilliant. And I have to say, I've been really impressed by Fede Valverde as well in that midfield. Not someone that I've seen a huge amount before this season in, in that Real Madrid team, but certainly looks like a, a top-class option. I think that's that's a really mouth-watering area of the pitch, isn't it, for this one? You think of of the Liverpool midfield and, and how that might potentially look for this game, obviously coming up against the experience and the quality and the technical ability that Real Madrid have got. It's a bit of a cliche to say that that's where the game will be won and lost, but it does kind of feel a little bit like that. Yeah, an interesting one too, because we saw by the end of that Man City game that Real Madrid had kind of their, their new look midfield out on the pitch. Uh, Kroos had gone off, Modric had gone off and that some of the names you mentioned there had come to the fore a little bit more. Valverde looked very impressive. He's he's almost been hard to fit in this this year, such as the embarrassment of riches at Real Madrid. He's been shifted out to the right wing quite often, which is not where you'd naturally picture him at all. But yeah, I, I agree. When he has played in the middle, that kind of all-action midfield, you'd almost say he looks like he'd slot in nicely under clock. But certainly, certainly you could see him being a nuisance if, if he does get the midfield berth against Liverpool. Um, then you've got Camavinga, who I thought was really good once he came on. Um, he sort of played that bench role a lot this season um, and has generally been impressive when coming on, which is no mean feat when generally that means deputising for one of Kroos or Modric, who of course are these season professionals and it, it'll probably be the last hurrah for that. Well, we've been saying it for years, haven't we? But um, surely, surely this is their their last major final, at least as a duo. I mean, Kroos has a has a few good years left in him, I'm sure, but Modric is 36 now. There can't be too many more Champions League finals left in him, can there? So, yeah, Liverpool will be hoping to deny them the sort of fairy tale ending to that. And then, of course, there's Casemiro, who's just your archetypal nuisance defensive midfielder, very much in the same mould as, as Fabinho. Uh, he, he was very effective against Manchester City these kind of technical moves in and around the area. He was there, he was breaking them up. Uh, and of course, Liverpool have, have looked to, to mimic that in recent times in terms of the quick give and goes. We were talking earlier, weren't we, about how it's not necessarily a team full of dribblers at Liverpool. It is about those kind of quick quick moves, quick transitions. And yeah, trying to bypass Casemiro with them will be certainly one of those key battlegrounds. The Agenda on the Blood Red Channel. I think the, the interesting thing in terms of the Liverpool midfield, and again, we had a bit of a conversation around this earlier and did a piece actually for, for Liverpool.com that people can go and have a read around Navi Keita and, and Jordan Henderson. I suppose 
going into this final, assuming that everyone in the, the Liverpool team is fit. That's probably the key battle, really, in terms of, of the starting eleven. I think you could pretty much pick the rest of it and, and kind of know what it was going to be. I think that's that's probably the most obvious one where you'd think there is a temptation to play Jordan Henderson because he's the Liverpool captain, but Naby Keita, he's just been so, so good. I suppose it, it could even be a little bit of a, a kind of revenge for him as well, of course, after what happened in the, the tie against Real Madrid last season. It looked like that might be the end of Naby Keita where he could well come full circle. Yeah, I mean, I think there's probably one position up for debate in each kind of line of the pitch. So you've got Canate or Matip, you've got Keita or Henderson, and then you've got the front line, which is probably Salah, Mane plus one other. You'd imagine Diaz has done enough, but you know there's others in and around having that conversation. But yeah, I, I do think that midfield one is fascinating. It will be very difficult for Klopp not to pick Henderson just for purely... Well, not, not purely non-footballing reasons, that's unfair to Henderson, who's obviously proved himself as an excellent footballer um, and he still contributes positively when he plays. But just in addition to the footballing reasons, you you know, he's the captain of the club. He's lifted this very same trophy not so long ago. He has that leadership. He does bring that kind of experience to the table. Uh, but then Cater, you know, he was preferred for the semi-final second leg of the Champions League, who have preferred for the semi-final of the FA Cup against Manchester City. These are big games where Klopp has maybe shown his hand a little bit. It's, I mean, credit to Keita, who, like you say, has come back from absolutely nowhere. He looked done and dusted up to that Real Madrid game. You know, he's always looked fairly impressive. He's shown flashes of quality, but, you know, that that, that game seemed to sum it up. What, like, when Klopp was able to call on him because he will be out of rhythm, sometimes he just didn't seem to to pick up the way Liverpool played and he, he seemed to offer more risk than he did reward. And, and yeah, as you say, that resulted in him being hooked in that, in that game. But yeah, a year, clearly a long time in football as, as the cliche goes. And yeah, the, the fact that he could now be lining up as a starter once again in the final against the same team, it, w- it would be a very bold move, not just because of that game, although it, no doubt that will be playing in Cater's head, but yeah, for all the reasons we've discussed around Henderson, it's it's such a tough one to call. And personally, I'd be happy whichever name I saw on the team sheet. I think there's there's valid reasons to start either. But yeah, if, if we had to call it now, I think Kate has probably played his way into that team. Yeah, I, I just about agree with you, but it's just so hard to to kind of not see Jordan Henderson within that lineup, and obviously still three and a half weeks to go. So fingers crossed that Naby Keita can stay, continue to stay injury-free. He's done it for, for a good number of months now, so hopefully that can still be the case. But obviously away from this, there's also the impact to, to think about with Manchester City. Obviously, they're not in the Champions League, they're not in the FA Cup, they've not won the Carabao Cup, they can only now win the Premier League. I suppose it can go one or two ways for them for this point, can't it? There's there's four games left for them, four games left for Liverpool. Either this result means that they just blow teams away for the last four and, and run away with the league and, and make sure that they end up with that. Or there is a slight possibility, and it has been mentioned by one or two Liverpool fans, certainly on social media, that potentially this could derail them a little bit. I suppose probably the, the former is maybe a little bit wishful thinking, but you never know. Yeah, it's it's possible. Um, you'd have said that, you know, they're a stronger side than that mentally, but then you'd have said that they were a stronger side than we saw last night in terms of holding on with, you know, two or three minutes to go. The the sheer level of the collapse shows that that kind of 
collective neurosis is still there, particularly around the Champions League. And yeah, I mean, the difference is, of course, they know they can win the league. They've done it almost on autopilot for, for a number of years, but they will have that hangover from the Champions League. They will have invested a lot in it, both physically and emotionally. Uh, of course, they had the full 120 minutes. So in terms of the strain on the legs, that will play a slight part come the weekend. But yeah, I think the more important factor is that that element of of just how how much they wanted it, how much they put into it, and how in the manner of the collapse, it's yeah, it's, it's mentally tough, and and it will take a a big effort to bounce back from that. I think if they get through the next well, the next game really, certainly the next two games, and it probably becomes a bit of a of a non-factor. It's just how they immediately react, how quickly they can pick themselves up. I think, but yeah, I think that there is that slight window. Is is it, is it Newcastle up next? Um, yeah, New, which, Newcastle at home on Sunday, so you'd fancy them in that one, but you never know. Would, but I feel like it's one of the ones where you, where you were looking at it a few games ago, not thinking about the Champions League and thinking, well, they're probably not going to drop points in any of these remaining games. But Newcastle have been a bit of a nuisance to to a number of teams lately. They're a, a much better team than when when they, they played Man City the first time around. Um, so yeah, you definitely still fancy them, but. You know that there could be there there are there would be more no hope teams to face on the back of this kind of defeat. You know if they played Watford after this, you, they'd no doubt be routinely beating them six or seven nil as normal. But um, yeah, I think there's a sliver of hope, but I I, I don't think Liverpool can, can pin their hopes on that. I think they should just uh, count their blessings in terms of the fact that City are only playing for one trophy now. Liverpool are playing for four. Just let's revel in that a little bit rather than working out the permutations for that one remaining trophy that City can win. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the uh, important things, certainly if City had have got through to the final, I would have been looking at the injury to, to Kyle Walker. It looked like they rushed him back a little bit too soon, managed about an hour tonight, then went off injured. That could have, have been really important because I think we've sort of seen that with City playing the, the top teams. You saw at Wembley, Liverpool managed to exploit them on that side with the, the pace. Obviously, if Kyle Walker's there, they couldn't do that. We saw that last week in the... Uh, the uh, Etihad game with, with Vinicius being able to, to get in behind and I suppose that that could have been important. Is that important do you think in the, the Premier League as well? Is, is there a bit of a, a weakness within that or is that maybe just only reserved for, for when you play the absolute top teams and the ones with Luis Diaz's pace for example to, to get in behind you? Yeah I think it's, it's less of a factor in those in those Premier League games where they're expected to just control it throughout. I mean, their fullbacks essentially become midfielders. We know all about Guardiola and how he'd like to invert them. Uh, so, yeah, they're basically just extra bodies to keep the ball rather than necessarily doing too much one-to-one defending like we saw Kyle Walker being asked to do so much of against Vinicius. Um, but then again, a lot of it is stylistic as well. You know, teams can play wide with aggressive wingers without being one of the best teams in the world. You, you look at the the sides that they have left to face, you, you'd say maybe Wolves have the personnel to give it a go. You, you'd kind of wish that Adama Traore was still there, but, you know, you've, you've got Neto, you've got Prudential, you know, fitness depending, but these, these are the kind of players who could potentially cause problems if, if a makeshift fullback is in there. Um, we saw Sinchenko come on in, in the Real Madrid game, which is, you know, he played there at left-back for you know, a full season essentially and, and didn't get too caught out. So you wouldn't say it's a it's a glaring weak point. And then it also means you can move Cancelo over to the right where, I mean, he's been a revelation on the left this season, but he is a more 
natural right back, you'd say. So again, certainly to the point where you're not going to worry about him playing on that side. So yeah, I, when they were playing Fernandinho there, 36-year-old Fernandinho, you're saying, okay, this is something most teams will look at and target. But I, yeah, with Zinchenko fit and Cancelo, I don't think that's going to be too much of a worry. No, hopefully Alanson Maximum can prove you wrong at the weekend, but I wouldn't be wouldn't be betting too much on that. I wouldn't have thought. I suppose just to, to sort of finish, then obviously Liverpool and, and Real Madrid, very much kind of traditional Champions League winners. Manchester City were and will continue to try and win it for the first time. I suppose that's probably something that Liverpool fans are thinking about as well, isn't it? It's kind of reserving these big wins, the big trophies, the European Cups. It's it's not something that City have done yet, and it's another season now where they're not going to be able to do that. Yeah, I mean, it, it's great. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty remarkable just that neither Man City nor PSG have, have lifted the European Cup, given the sheer scale of the, of the finances pumped into both projects it it shouldn't be possible but it shows that what Liverpool fans always say has an element of truth to it you know people sometimes mock don't they they score when people talk about you know the power of Anfield on European nights talk about the weight of history sort of almost transmitting to the players on the pitch but you look at this kind of glaring anomaly of the fact that PSG and Man City have just had so little luck in in the tournament. Yeah, you have to conclude that the, there's something to it. I mean, the, yeah, the, the European pedigree does still count for something. It doesn't even matter to some extent who's out on the pitch. I mean, we saw it sort of. We've seen some fairly mediocre Real Madrid sides lift the trophy. I mean, it, on paper, they should have probably lost to both Man City and Chelsea this season. Going back further, of course, Liverpool were not the best team in Europe in 2005, but you know, they they had that belief just generationally. They, you know, you're playing for Liverpool Football Club. It it brings with it this kind of intangible quality that whoever's playing in that shirt will feel. Um, and yeah, another season where Man City players don't feel that can't be a bad thing when when we're destined to be competing against them every year for years to come. As long as we can delay it, then yeah, it, it's going to be a boost and. And let's face it, as a fan, it's enjoyable to to be able to say another year without a European Cup for Man City. So hopefully the gap widens to seven in, in three and a half weeks' time. Yeah, absolutely. The countdown well and truly on to that match. Four games left in the Premier League title race. An FA Cup final to look forward to before then against Chelsea as well. And now a Champions League final against Real Madrid. Make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Keep checking out the content on the website as well, liverpool.com and the Liverpool Echo for all of your latest news and analysis. Plenty more podcasts coming your way as well, but for the time being, that's all we've got time for here on the latest Agenda podcast. It's goodbye for now. You've been listening to the Agenda podcast on the Blood Red channel.